When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome back. You're watching Oz Business Australia's only live streaming business and markets channel. Great to have your company on this Tuesday afternoon. Just got midday Eastern. Of course, that is time for the call where we analyse 10 stocks that you've suggested. And we have two experts here to give us their words of wisdom and their guidance. And boy, when you talk about guides, these are two guides with a capital G. Uh, Mark Morland from Team Invest. Good afternoon to you. Good to see you. Good to see you too, Crunchy. Thank you. Uh, and Scott Phillips from Motley Falls. Scott, how are you, sir? Hello, Scott. Have we got you there? Oh, there hey. we go. How are you? How are you? Good. How, how are you surviving earnings season? Are you, uh, oh, you in a mad panic? Plenty going on. Um, I'm, I'm loath to admit this, mate, but given my previous chicken coop issues, I've now got a bully chicken at home and I've got to build a second small coop to separate them. So you'll get a laugh oh. out of that one, mate. Maybe on oh. Instagram soon. So the chooks are breeding, are they? Or are no, they fighting? The other ones, unfortunately. So uh, we had a separator. Oh, okay. You Gee, go. you'll have to send through some... I haven't seen on Twitter whether you've sent any uh, oh, yeah, you know, that's photos coming. through. That's coming. Okay, I will look out for it. Good to have you aboard today. All right, uh, before we get into your 10 stocks, of course, I choose a stock of the day. And uh, of course, today, I thought we, because it's earnings season, take a look at Cochlear, uh, which has reported a $240 million loss for the full year, putting the blame on the pandemic and its patent litigation loss. Uh, Despite a strong start to the year, Cochlear's Net profit and earnings dropped 42%. Sales were down 6%, with the majority of the fall coming in the second half of 2020, with revenue of $1.35 billion. Shareholders will not see a final dividend. Cochlear is not providing guidance in the preface to uh, the company's 2020 strategy review. Uh, Chief Executive Dick Howard says, while the pandemic has led to the deferral of electric elective surgeries globally, the company's long-term opportunities are unchanged. And Dig will be joining us a little later here on Ausbiz as well. So looking forward to that. Um, Scott, Cochlear, what do you think of the result? And where do you see it? Um, interestingly, but uh, had a good rise on the market today. So the reaction's been pretty good, up over 200 bucks again. It's a funny old story, isn't it, the market? And this earnings season, you asked about it at the top of the show, Koshi. Very much a story of, you know, I, I always joke that earnings season should be called expectation season because it comes down to what, what investors expected rather than what the companies actually did. This time it's even worse than that. It's kind of outlook season, right? Because we all know the past was going to be terrible and Cochlear certainly delivered a terrible result. It's now about, well, what, what does the future look like? How fast might the recovery be? How full might it be? How does the business looking in the first couple of months of the new financial year? And I think that's the positive for Cochlear. I'm, I, I'm bullish on Cochlear. I expect a really, really attractive long-term future. If you think about the number of people who are being diagnosed or will be diagnosed with hearing loss, 
and using mostly Cochlear solutions, I should say, uh, because it is the premier brand in the, mar in the market, the developing world is developing so incredibly quickly that we'll have more and more people coming online. I mean, plenty of people now around the world have hearing loss and simply aren't being treated because they can't afford it or the infrastructure doesn't exist. And I expect that even despite the last set of results, which are terrible, as, as we said, um, the future still remains really, really bright. Cochlear will have more customers every year moving forward. And frankly, once you're a Cochlear customer, almost by definition, you're literally getting a device put inside your head in most cases, you remain a Cochlear customer for life. So that's a really attractive business model. Of course, they're doing good things, helping people here again, so we shouldn't lose that. Um, but I, I expect this will be a, a long-term growth story. Plenty of ups and downs in the share price, plenty of investors getting excited and pessimistic and excited and pessimistic. This is a definite long-term buy and hold for me. Okay, all right. So uh, yes, for uh, Cochlear on this result. And Mark, we were talking before we came on air, because when you talk about great Australian med techs, if you like, mm -hmm. it's ResMed, Cochlear, CSL. Yep. And if they disappoint on earnings here, um, I think we're all hoping if we were looking at investing in Cochlear, share prices would have gone down today, but it's gone up. Um, is it, are these opportunities to oh, get absolutely. into these big quality and, stocks? And Scott's right. It is expectation season. I think it was quite a good analogy. Yeah. Uh, and because Cochlear is flagged uh, for a long time, well, they've already reported about the loss. We, there's no surprise on the, uh, the uh, uh, patent infringement yep. court case. Uh, unfortunately for them, they... They was I think it was 120 million US or something, but basically what yeah. it was was it goes back for years, you know, yeah. on a on a patent. And they, these guys have patent arguments all the time in, yeah. in the industry, yeah. so there's nothing unusual about that. You win some, you lose some. Anyway, they they appealed it, and I noticed in the appeal they spent 15 million dollars on their lawyers and so on appealing it. Now well, the lawyers would have told them they were going to win. Now yeah. they told us that they thought they were very confident they were going to win on appeal. Well, they lost on appeal. Right. So now that's all over. Yeah. So they've taken the hit. This is a one-off. Yep. So, and then of course the elective surgery issue is real, but that's short term. So what's yep. happened is all the people who were going to have a cochlear implant but couldn't because the hospitals aren't available, the operating theatres weren't allowed to be used, have deferred. Yeah. So now they're going to have a catch. -up. So they're not going away. Of course you're not yeah, going yeah. away. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're all there. You need you know, it. You need yeah. it. It's not like oh, I've changed my mind now. I'll, yeah. I'll just go back to signing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, they've got the. Um, uh, they're all going to come in. So the next twelve months. Uh, or as we come out of uh, coronavirus, yeah. Cochlear's earnings will jump up dramatically. Right. Going back to your question of uh, is it a good time to buy them, I would say yes because Cochlear's uh, EPS growth over the last six years, so earnings per share has been over 20% a year. Wow. So it's been growing very, very consistently at a bit over 20, yes. which is fantastic. It's like yeah. tech stock just about. Yeah. Um, and at the moment, we're showing, if you look at the return, even though the price has gone up a bit, you know, it would be nice if it was, um, yeah. it went down. <laughs> Below um, 200, yeah. We're showing a returning about a bit over 20% a year if they can maintain their current growth rate going forward. Oh. Uh, on a margin of safety, it brings it down to 8%. But 8% for a company like Cochlear uh, is still pretty good. Yep. So yeah. I would say Cochlear is a, uh, a buy, and on from a PE point of view, it's down the bottom of the mid-range at the right. moment, which is not bad. Oh, okay. Um, we had a lot of members, by the way, who made a lot of have made a lot of money out of Cochlear, a team invest, because back in 2014 when they had the recall, share price halved. It went right. down from 88 to 44 or something. Right. And a lot of our, most of our members bought between that and 50, and have kept it, and their returns wow. been well over 30% compound wow. for what is clearly a blue chip and a global market yep. leading company. Yeah, yeah. One of those great stocks. So I'm, I'm a yes. Okay, perfect. All right, let's go. To, so good wrap there on Cochlear despite the result today. And it's a really good lesson, I think, for, um, for private investors that you've got to look 
beyond a lot of these results as well that are coming out at the moment. All right, our first stock, uh, which has been suggested by Jamie and um, uh, Scott BSA, which is uh, basically a contractor for television services, isn't it? Aerials, digital TV, plugging in your your Foxtel and, and the like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is, Koshi. And that's, I guess, the, 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 the upside and the downside. This is the risk and the opportunity when it comes to investing in BSA. Super volatile, as you can see. Not a lot of shares traded either, so that's a really patchy chart. That's the first thing for investors to be mindful of. When you think about, though, the investment case for BSA, here's the problem. The earnings have been about as volatile as that share price chart, and depends on the year. The P is mm-hmm. six right now, so when I first looked at it, I haven't looked at it for a while. I went, wow, six, and, and my, my you know value... Uh, ears prick up and I think, man, maybe there's some value there. I might go and see if there's something worth buying. The problem is that the well, earnings have been so volatile. It's such an unreliable deliverer of profit. Now, it's been profitable for years, so no no, no losses to report as far as I can see, at least not the last sort of six or ten years. But it's been so volatile, trying to work out the right price to pay for this business. And frankly, when you see a business that's that volatile, you ask yourself, if, if, you know, if it's that uncertain in terms of profitability, what is it that's driving... The, the growth or decline of that profit year on year. In fact, what is sustainable about its business? And I have to say that last question for me, it makes me think, well, wow, if probably can double and halve and double and halve again, either you say it's cyclical, we'll take an average, and that's one way to do it for sure. The other is you say, well, maybe as you say, with demand rising and falling for telecommunications connections in particular, and general maintenance in general, um, you know, maybe there's something there. And look, you're a brave man to say there's no more telecommunication services required. Um, think about the MBN, think about Foxtel, think about plenty of other services of its ilk. Um, someone's going to do the work. And so you might want to take a flyer at BSA just because on a P of six, you, you, you know, you're, you're being given something of value. And if you bought enough companies on a P of six, I dare say you'd do well. BSA itself, they're not enough to recommend it for mine, mate. So yeah. I wouldn't run grooming from this company, but I have to say the volatility of the earnings really makes me very uncomfortable when it comes to working out what the future looks like and therefore whether today's price is the right one to pay. Okay, Mark? Uh, yes, I, I agree with all that too. We don't want to be too agreeable, yeah. don't we? No, 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 <laughs> no I, I like <laughs> agreement, that's good. Um, from Team Invest's point of view, we, we, we put an enormous amount of weight on stability. Yeah. Uh, and you need stability, whatever the rate of growth is, uh, because if a company's stable and its earnings are growing at 10% a year or whatever, it's very right. stable, it's far more predictable going forward. Yeah. And as, as uh, Scott said, these guys have been all over the shop. But if you look at it on 10 years, it's basically been flat. Right. You know, so they, they go up, down, up, down, up, down, but not, there's, never any, there's no progress anywhere. Yeah. So you sort of wonder, where is it that it's going to change? What, why would you think that it's suddenly going to change and start being a lot more profitable? Because uh, the 6PE is very appealing because it is a profitable business. And uh, I don't know whether it pays a dividend, actually, so whether there's a dividend involved. But uh, it fails from our point of view on um, stability. We're showing it uh, returning minus seven percent uh, per year on a margin of safety, which uh, mm. which is which okay. is not good, and that's no. because the average growth has been point oh, point uh, eight of one percent over the last six years. That's the average wow. the last per six year, years. Yeah, per not year, even 1%. not one percent, not even inflation. Okay, really. yeah. So on default, a default measure means if they continue exactly the way they're going now, you'll get about twelve percent okay. a year, and, that, and that's that's because the PE is so low. Yeah, it's actually as long as they can maintain it. In other words, yeah. maintain flat. Right. Uh, you can get uh, a 12% return. Okay. I wouldn't, I, I'm not interested. Okay, all right. Uh, are you interested, Mark, in Accent Group, a retailer of, of um, performance and lifestyle footwear, own a lot of stores around the country, brand names like Athletes Foot, Vans, Doc Martens, yeah. uh, Merrill, 
uh, retailers have done pretty well so far in they this have, earnings season, yeah. isn't no, it? Absolutely, I am, and I'm. Yeah. And I'll declare I'm a shareholder. Oh, so, so, right. Uh, very happy with my accent um, shares. Yep. Uh, this is a, a quality uh, company, and we 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 we've liked retail for the last uh, five or six years because right. it was it's. Once Amazon came into the market, the, the retailers' P ratios all got trashed because the assumption was that Amazon was going to kill it. It was going to kill them. Okay, yep. now it, does, it kills off the weak players and so on. But the good yep. operators like uh, uh, like Accent Group and Nick yep. Scarly and uh, JB Hi-Fi and so on, right. you know, they've adapted their businesses as well and they've they've continued to prosper. Uh, Accent Group's also got a very uh, strong founder mentality. Uh, Brett Blundy, who's a billionaire out of retail, so yep. he's made a He's a billionaire from, from retail other, other, yeah, companies. other companies. Yeah. Yep. Uh, put in 100 million cash at market uh, mm. about 18 months ago, I think it was. Right. Uh, and, and went on the board. He's now come off the board. But the point is, though, that that was when I, I invested in it. Right. Um, I, I was lucky to pick up a stack in uh, a reasonable amount number in right. March. Right. Uh, at, 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 at the lowest was about 60 cents up to about 84. Yep. So yep. it's now a dollar 30. So. Yep. But, but if you look at Accent Group going forward now, it's still cheap yep. uh, from our perspective. We're showing it uh, returning uh, 24% a year over the next five years uh, on its current uh, uh, on its PE, which is um, 15 at the moment. It's come up a little yep. bit lately, yep. you know, so, but it's still cheap. It's in right. the bottom bottom half of its normal PE range okay. anyway. Uh, quality business, their online uh, sales have been booming. Yep. Uh, they were well set up for it anyway. Yep. Um, and uh, I'm very optimistic that okay. they continue on. All right. Uh, Scott, Accent Group. I've got to concur with Mark again. We, we're trying to be too agreeable, but the, the business done phenomenally well over a very long period of time. If you look at the if you look at the sales growth of that, just, I don't size and everything, but if you look at the sales growth, it is literally almost a straight line staircase yeah. up. It is phenomenally, um, you know, it, the line is almost dead straight, and it's done really, really well. The P is only about fifteen or so, and I've got to say, like, you got to be careful with retailers, particularly fashion retailers, because we all know the long litany of companies that you know boom and bust, boom and bust, plenty go out of business every single year. So you want to be a little bit careful in general. Accent has another concern, I suppose, at one level in that its contracted business can go away. It has, it has wholesale rights for brands into Australia that it doesn't own directly. Now, those things are risks, but overall, it's hard to really look at this business and say anything, but wow, they've done a fantastic job of continuing to grow. I think that the bear case is probably either those contracts or potentially that the um, economic slowdown to the extent it keeps happening impacts their brands and particularly if you think about people who are most likely to shop at accent they're probably younger they're probably fashion conscious they're probably the ones most in line for losing jobs in tourism retail education that kind of stuff so if you want to mount a bear case it might be that sales growth slows because their target market is probably most affected proportionally by the recession we're going through right now um, so if you want to be cautious that's probably why I got to say, I'm kind of reaching for, for potential risks right now. I think Accent's very much a buy, um, as Mark's already pointed out. It makes very, very good sense. A, a business operating a P of 15 in a growing market has fantastic success over in the past. Very, very hard to go past this one, I think. Okay. All right. So uh, yes, Nikki, from both uh, Mark and Scott. Um, Scott, sort of a, a, not a similar, but uh, but a retail type business, Australian mm. pharmaceutical industries. Uh, Lena wants a view on that. They're in the uh, Hilton Beauty business pharmaceutical distribution. They're a pretty large wholesaler. They also own Priceline too, don't they? Correct. They sure do, Koshi. Yeah. And this, what do you think of API? It's a bit of it's it's a bit of a bit of both. It's a bit of a wholesaler and retail yeah. business, and that presents opportunity and also some risk. I'm on record 
for the longest time. I used to work for Blackmore's way back in the day, and I saw huh. these guys operate up close, not just API, but the whole pharmaceutical wholesale business. The bad news for investors in this space is there are simply too many wholesalers for the size of our market. Because of the community service mm. obligation, the government pays these wholesalers to deliver in less than, I think it's 24 hours to almost all of Australia. There are just there are, there are wholesale uh, warehouses all over the country. And that means it's a really, really unprofitable, or at least barely profitable business. There really should only be two of them or at least fewer of them per, per you know, square kilometre, if you like, fewer factories, fewer warehouses. There's just too many of them. And, and that makes pharmaceutical wholesaling in Australia really great as a consumer. Mm. It makes it a really, really tough way to try and make money. The jewel in the crown for API is its price line business. And that was for a very long time a really strong grower. It struggled in recent years, predominantly because chemist warehouse has just eaten everything in front of it. It's really the, the kind of the, the pharmacy Pac-Man. It is just growing and growing and growing and growing. And it's very, very hard to, you know, to compete against. Now, the, the proper API, of course, is the, the uh, they also had that chemist warehouse wholesale business at one point and lost it. So you're in a really interesting scenario where, yeah, great, great brand, the Priceline brand. The, the pharmacy business, pharmacy growth, pharmacy, you know, wholesaling should be a good business. It's just structurally badly set up right now. Um, I, I can't recommend an investment in API at the current price. There's probably a price for it, but even then, you want to see growth in price line and or consolidation in the wholesaling business without either of those two. I think API is just way too risky. Okay. Mark? Uh, yeah, it's it's not one that we've uh, ever got enthusiastic about. Um, the um, the I, I had a look at their uh, last uh, uh, presentation, shareholders and so on, and they, you know, they, they've closed a couple of big distribution centres. <laughs> you know, they're, they're working hard to try and uh, push costs out of the business, and it was a pretty good story in that they yep. reckon they're achieving that and there's more to come. Um, it's, it's, it's at the very bottom of its PE range at the moment. So from a fearful point of view, the market really doesn't like it, yep. uh, which, is, which is good. It's not going to go broke. Uh, we're showing it, uh, the average, uh, it's H growth, we call it, over the last six years has been about 10% with quite, quite good stability. I agree with uh, Scott about the wholesale market of pharmaceuticals. Their real opportunities in retail and their own brands yep. and how well they do that. Yep. Um, I, think, I think they've been disappointing on how they've dealt, dealt with that. That's probably the way I, I would describe it. Um, but if you did want to buy it, I mean, it's not a dog. Yep. It's yep. just a bit mediocre. Um, but, you know, it's not... It's at, a, it's at a pretty good price. We're showing it returning 8% a year uh, at the moment on a margin of safety. And it'll do significantly better than that if they can improve as they say they are going to. Right. Okay. Um, so it's not bad, but not good enough for me. So, yeah. So, Lena, mediocre if you're happy with mediocre investing. Uh, but there mediocre are with of, some upside. if they yeah. Right. Yeah. But, but there are a lot better stocks out there I, that I show so. better potential. Yeah. All right. Um, now, Nick has asked Mark for a view on PushPay. Now, this is, this is a fascinating uh, little business because it was uh, basically a software business designed by a couple of Kiwis that floated over here. But it is a, a platform for churches and other sort of um, not-for-profit organisations to, um, to collect money, to collect donations from their constituents and things like that. Yeah. And they've expanded into the, into the US, haven't they? They have. They have, uh, which obviously there's a much bigger market in the yeah. US per capita than we have. Yes, exactly. <laughs> the churches. I mean, I like, this is quite a nice little business. It's just absurd, the price and the PE right. ratio, because it's being priced on as if it's a viral growth high tech stock, yeah. whereas really what it is, it's, a, it's providing a, a software as a service to churches and so on to collect money. Yeah. You, you sort of wonder how, and they've got to go and sell it. 
Yep. So they must have sales teams and people out there. So it's not like it's growing on its own merits or whatever, but yep. they have had strong growth. Yep. You know, so that's encouraging, but I think it's on a PE of, um, I'm not even showing it on here actually. I think it's, right. <laughs> um, it was 80 or something like that. Right, okay. Which to me is just absurd. Yep. So I quite like the business, the business model. Um, I just, see, the thing is if you pay a super high PE, even if it's got strong growth, they're gonna keep the growth going. And yep. because this has only been listed for four years, you've only got four years, and it's, you're growing off a zero base, effectively. Yep. So you can have high growth for a little while. And a PE ratio, if it's high, means yeah. the E and PE is expected to justify that sometime in the That's future. Right. And in fact, if you look at 2018 to 19, their earnings were actually down in 2019 from 2018. So there's really two years of making a profit. Yep. So based on that, I don't know how you could come to put the kind of price on it. I think it's just being dragged up with the, the likes of Afterpay and so on. Right. And with the tech, so so, so we, I'd want to see another couple of years okay. of history, and uh, before I'd consider it. But I mean, it's a nice business model. Yeah. Okay. Scott, push pay. Yeah, I agree with Mark on the business model. It, it I mean, it's a really attractive thing, as you said, Koshi. Born as a kind of software business, kind of become software as a service slash kind of clip the ticket on church donations or tithes, as you say. It, it, it's done a fantastic job of growing amongst the mega churches in the US. Yeah. Really, really <clears> great <throat> business model because you do make the software once. And then you have literally some churches, tens of thousands of people using yeah. it to donate to their church and donate regularly. So you get a really nice, steady cash flow. Um, of course, it does a whole lot of church administration stuff. It's kind of a, it's the church's app, if you like. You yeah. you get your announcements on it. You get your it's sermons on it. It's sort of a customer relationship management platform as well, is it? Exactly right. And so, so it's a yeah. really attractive way to, to build a piece of software. The, the challenge, as Mark said, is at some point you run out of growth. And the company itself basically issued the smaller church said, no, we're all about the mega churches. And about a year ago, maybe 18 months now, it went back to, oh, actually, we kind of saturated that market. Now we're going after the small churches again. And my biggest concern is how much of the market is left because you make the point about the e-koshi and, and Mark's made that point as well. On my numbers, about 55 times earnings. Now, if that's true, it's got to triple its earnings and then it'd be on a PE of 17 at the same price. So it's mm. some sort of maturity. If it got to maturity you know, at, at the current share price, it'd have to triple earnings just to be kind of fairly valued once it gets to that mature stage. Now, maybe it's got many years of growth left, and if it has, fantastic. Um, if it hasn't, though, you're paying a very, very pretty penny, particularly for a company who's now saying, yeah, the megachurch growth bit is over. And again, megachurch is super profitable because you make the software once and then tens of thousands of people use it. If you're selling software to a church of hundreds or tens of people, um, that's very, very hard to get the, the sales and, and marketing effort, the R&D effort to pay off. Yeah. Yep. And I think that's where the, the, the economics start to falter a little bit. Now, Great problem to have if you've grown fantastically and that's all that's left. Well, nice problem as a business, but we're not buying the business at a cheap price. We're buying the business at an expensive price. And I have to say, I'm not rushing out to desperately sell this one. If I owned it, I don't know I'd, I'd necessarily run for the door, but I wouldn't be buying it right now. It doesn't feel to me like the risk reward is very much in our favor. If they can show, and Mark's already talked about the profit falling, if they can show some traction and then some profitable traction with these small and medium churches, then maybe you, you kind of extrapolate and say, okay, well, there's many, many more small and medium churches than there are mega churches, and maybe there's a longer growth runway, and maybe you see yourself getting to some sort of meaningful long-term compound growth. And if that's the case, you can pay a decent price for it. So I wouldn't rule it out, but until it shows that that new strategy or the, the strategy has been forced on it by circumstance um, starts to bear fruit profitably, and, and the same sort of profit is getting now, right? A dollar of revenue before is worth a lot, dollar revenue now is probably worth less profit because of all the costs that go into servicing that particular church group. So I, I, I like the business, it's doing a fantastic job. I just want to make sure the price is justified either because it comes down, which is a buying opportunity, or if the business itself starts to deliver at a greater pace, 
then maybe it does justify the current level of, of PE. But neither of those is super clear right now. So I'd wait a little bit of time, maybe another six or 12 months, see right. the color of the money and then go from yep. there. All right. Um, good, um, good advice there from both uh, Mark and Scott. Um, our fifth stock, Scott Magellan Financial Group. This, this is, is a the, fun, uh, this the is big fund management group. Sorry, yeah, they've done such a fantastic job over over years of basically becoming a branded fund manager in a way at a retail level that we haven't really seen. I mean, we've kind of got the perpetuals and the platinums and even the AMPs back in the day. Magellan is kind of the newest version of that. It is the the fund manager in most people's minds, particularly when it comes to investing overseas. And that's where they've made most of their money. And Magellan, what's called Magellan flagship fund now, it's called MFF, MFF Capital. Um, they've done a great job of, of growing that. And what's really... A, they're doing great performance, which is fantastic. B, they're actually getting a whole lot of us to go and throw more money at them. And we know that fund managers make money by clipping the ticket on the money we invest. And then a little bit more on top of that, if they can outperform their benchmark. Magellan's done a great job of doing both. So, you know, fantastic job the guys have done there. The question now at 26 times earnings for a fund manager is, you better hope the music keeps playing. You better hope the money keeps coming in because <laughs> at some point that gets really, really tough. We know fund managers are a leveraged bet on the market and that, graph exactly shows you why you saw on the screen just then big rises big falls with the market moving it's absolute leverage to the stock market and the asx level or i guess the us level but in any case the amount of money being thrown into into shares so you want to be a little bit careful paying 26 times earnings for a fund manager if you're going to though you're going to do it because you believe they can keep attracting more and more money so not so much the performance or even the level of the market but more and more retail investors through their financial planners mostly saying yep Take my money, go and invest it overseas, keep doing what you've been doing. That's not a bad thesis, by the way. I expect more Australian investors to keep investing overseas. Whether or not it's worth 26 times earnings, I'm probably on the fence. Again, you don't want to run away from a quality business. And these guys have done a fantastic job of building great performance. I just don't think I want to be buying at the current price. Right. Seven and 18 times earnings, I'm, I'm probably there. 26 is a is a pretty penny to pay, given how volatile it's going to be and how leveraged it yeah. is to the market. They had a, um, a good earnings report last Excellent. week didn't Excellent. they which was good and yeah. this is um, um this is the real rock star fund manager it's a rock star moment, glo- it? it's a global rock, rock star, star fund manager yeah yeah not just australia yeah 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 and they're actually uh, getting more and more uh, uh funding from international funds now as well right you know, which is okay. a, a massive they're getting a lot of the uk but they're getting more in the us too yeah yeah where they're actually giving the australian company the capital to invest in their country wow How okay. about that? yeah yeah that's yeah. good yeah. so hamish is Oh, he, he's, he, I mean, he's, a, he's, he's quite a superstar, really. Yeah. And, uh, and Scott's right. They've done a brilliant job of shifting that business from being typical fund manager behind the scenes to being a retail product. Yep. And what they're doing now is they're introducing a whole range of new products, which are very, very much targeted at self-managed super funds. Right. So, but they're doing it in a way that self-managed super funds can trade them. So you, can, you have a listed fund, which, by the way, for them, locks that money in forever. Yep. So that it can't ever go. Yeah. You know, so yeah, the more yeah, of those yeah. they do, yeah. if they get multiple billions of uh, dollars in those, it's guaranteed. Yep. So they can clip the coupon forever. So no, we think Magellan's a fantastic company. I'm a shareholder. Right. Yep. Uh, you'll notice on that graph, it actually dropped to thirty dollars in March. Yep. Uh, I was too slow. Right. <laughs> uh, because I should have bought more. It was, right. it was a screaming bargain. Yep. yep. Now Scott's right. It is leveraged to the uh, the share market to a degree. Uh, Magellan, through good management or a bit of luck, probably a bit of both, um, have 
had most of their money in uh, the uh, the Facebooks and the yeah, the yeah, stocks, which yeah, are yeah, the, the ones that have been stocks. the ones yep. that have done really really well. Yeah. Now I'm sure you could say, well, that was good management, but I think there's a bit of luck as well in the way coronavirus has played out. Because yep. what's yep. happened is a lot of other areas of the market have been smashed, and technology seems to be not being hurt, so therefore money's poured into it. Yep. So that's been very helpful yep. for them. Uh, I think they will continue to grow. They're about 100 billion now um, under funds under management. Yep. They've got about 120 staff, so they're very lean. Uh, every billion they get coming in, they don't need to put more staff on. Right. So it sort of drops through to the bottom line. Yep. I think they're averaging about 0.4% now on um, uh, their uh, funds under management as an average because a lot yep. of it's wholesale yep. and they get performance on the retail. So it's $64. It's, uh... Well, it's, I, I, look, I've, got to agree, I've got to agree with Scott. It's, it's in the red top quartile of the PE range for us. Right. Now, what that means is that if you look at their growth, they've averaged 20.3% uh, a year with very high stability, straight line right. uh, over the last six years. Uh, if they can continue doing that, and that's an if, um, yeah. I mean, they can from a management point of view, but the market risk, if we have a major drop in the market, it's going to hurt them too. Yep. Uh, but uh, uh, you'll get 18% a year uh, going forward at the current price on our default settings and about 8.5% on a margin of safety. Right. But I, I agree, I think right now, because because of the, it's on a record high PE, it's actually the PE is pretty close to its all time high. Yep. Um, the best time to buy fund managers when the market's down. Yep. And it, we're not out of coronavirus yet and all yep. the economic impact. I think there'd be a really good chance to buy Magellan in the next six months. Okay. Wait for a pullback. 16, 17 years, <clears throat> you'd be absolutely uh, happy at that right. level. But it's a bit, bit, bit too high at the moment. Okay. All right. There you go, Jack. <coughs> Thank you for your suggestion on Magellan. Just to recap, our first five stocks plus our stock of the day. Stock of the day was Cochlear after they reported a big loss today. Uh, both Mark and Scott um, think Cochlear is a, a, a terrific company, great Australian company, and um, for a long-term investor, good buying even at these levels. Uh, BSA, a no. Accent Retailer, um, Footwear uh, Retailer owns Athletes Foot, Vans, uh, Doc Martens, that sort of thing. Um, a yes from both uh, Mark and Scott on that. Uh, Australian Pharmaceuticals, uh, no. Uh, Pushpay, Nice business model, but on a massive uh, PE ratio at the moment, really not worth it at these prices. And Magellan Financial, the best of the listed fund managers um, and would be good buying on a pullback. So that's our first five stocks uh, here on the call. Um, as we were talking about uh, for the first time yesterday, we started our own index as a way of sort of following how to invest and what we can learn from investing. And uh, we've been tracking it since the 1st of July. All the stocks that get two thumbs up from our expert panel as a buy from, uh, from both of the experts, we've been putting in our index. So let's get a check of uh, how it's been performing. The last week it's down slightly. Um, financial year today up just over 6%. So, uh, and monthly up over uh, just 4%. Let's take a look at the last five companies we've added to the portfolio uh, in uh, this month. Uh, EML Payments, the BetaShares Asia Tech Tigers uh, ETF, Regis Resources, Jumbo Interactive, and Fiducian Group have been uh, added 
in the first two weeks from our from our panels here. You can check all of the stocks we have in the, the calls index by he heading to osbiz.co uh, forward slash portfolio. We'll be updating you every day on the call to see how it is tracking. Um, also join us at 3 p.m. on Osbiz today when we'll be speaking live with Tyrone Chief Executive Robbie Cook on the back of the company's first full year results since its market debut. That's at 3.15 right here on Ausbiz. So uh, let's get into the, uh, the second half of the call. And Scott, um, the first stock up has been in the second half suggested by John, Excelsior Capital. Uh, been a, um, a, around a while, a while and listed investment vehicle established in 1991 in the distribution of electric cables, associated companies and that industrial mining uh, infrastructure area. Uh, what do you think of Excelsior? This is a fascinating company, Koshi. It's it's tiny, $36 million market cap, a P of nine. And I've got to say, when, when something's called Excelsior Capital, it does electrical componentry, I'm always I'm always intrigued and often there's opportunity to buy these sort of stocks. So I did kind of have a bit of a dig around when I saw it come up on the list. It's a really good question. Um, first thing I want to say though, mate, I want to actually go from, from the company unusually to trading. Now I want to talk about that graph right there as it turns up perfectly. The depth on this, now when, when we talk about investing, and look, Mark and I are both long-term investors, we don't tend to care a lot about you know daily trading activities and all that kind of stuff. But the depth on this, in other words, the number of shares available for sale right now is tiny. And the premium being asked by people, the current price, $1.18, the next shares available are $1.25, the next ones after that are $1.30 hmm. or $1.60. Um, so you know this is a very, very, very thinly traded stock. So I'm gonna say upfront, I don't think this is one people should be buying, or at least that they are being incredibly, incredibly patient because if it's currently $1.18, if you go and put a, a market order in for this stock, you could easily pay $1.60 a share all of a sudden and wonder where that 30% gain just went. Um, so be very, very careful with all thinly traded stocks when you're buying them. Um, just be very, very mindful how frequently they're traded, how many shares are available. And by the way, if you get them at the right price, how easy it is to get out because the reverse can also be true. If there's no buyers, you don't want to be stuck with the stock you want to be out of. So I'm going to throw that up front. I don't normally talk about trading or, or the kind of, you know, the, the process of, of buying the stocks, but here it's important. Excelsior is really interesting. It, so it's, it's, it causes up a listed investment vehicle. It has, a, it has an investment portfolio, plus it manufactures electrical components. And you think, wow, that's a really strange and unusual kind mm. of business. The, the earnings have been all over the place as well. It's a really, really hard one to pin down, I have to say. Um, Again, as an investor and with a P under 10, it's one of those things that really thinks, man, is, is something un unloved or uncovered here? Is there some opportunity to, to go and grab something cheap for a business no one's paying attention to? And maybe. The problem is the electrical components business is really hard to get your head around. I had a bit of a look. And, and to try and work out whether there's a sustainable competitive advantage there, a, a decent enough profit margin made available to the company, based on what it's doing, it's relatively, I won't say generic, because no one wants to be called generic, but you know, how do you differentiate <laughs> yourself in, in electronics when you've got... You know, yep. massive, massive competitors all around the world in low-cost countries doing similar things. I've got to give this one a miss. Um, yep. It's definitely one to keep an eye. It's fascinating to watch, but because of the depth and because of the uncertainty <clears throat> around that electrical componentry business, I'm going to have to give this one a, a miss, unfortunately. Okay. Yeah, I must admit, Mark, I didn't know of it until no. I, I did a bit of no. digging and thought, it's a strange business <laughs> to be well, listed on the market. It's, it's, you know, it looks like to me, it looks like the kind of business that uh, was family owned or yes. and, and then what they did is they were actually in the the business of uh, either they, they were in, either in the funds business and then bought the electrical business. Yeah. yeah. And then they decided maybe we're a private equity group. Yeah. And then it says here, when I read about it, it actually says 
the division, they have an investment portfolio where they listed in un, unlisted equity investments and quoted debt instruments to achieve long-term dividend returns and capital appreciation. Investments are required for the long-term holding for dividends and, and, and short-term holdings for revenue generation. Well, they haven't done very well because no. their earnings have been flat for 10 years. In fact, right. they've gone down <laughs> over the right. 10 years. The last few years, they've averaged 4% a year EPS growth. So, so they have miserably failed to deliver what they say they're trying to do yep. with this mixed business. And it's also being so small that there's no liquidity. So I, I would really advise people to stay right away from it because as Scott said, if you buy it, you, probably, you, you may have big trouble ever getting out of it. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, it's a, and it's got a return on equity below 10% and hasn't been over 10 since 2013, right. which is okay. woeful. Yep, all right, okay. So uh, John, a big no there from uh, both Mark and Scott. Um, Jackie wants a view, Mark, on uh, Joyce Corporation. Uh, this is a franchisor and, uh, and owner of uh, retail bedding stores, uh, Bedshed um, and uh, uh, Bedshed franchising retail kitchen stores, online auctions. So, yeah, the online uh, auctions is a bit of an odd one, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, I thought that's it. Unless yeah. it's for, for bids. This is uh, another. This is this is another one. Interestingly, it's the same market cap. Right. This is 34 million. I think the last one was 36. So, right. Okay. So this is, a, this is a super tiny micro cap. Um, although it does have it does have earnings um, uh, growth. Um, return on it, when I say growth, it's been growing at about 19 percent, which is quite good. Yeah. Uh, sales growth of 45 percent a year over the last over the last six years. So uh, that looks pretty good. Return on equity is 14, um, and they've got about 44 percent debt to equity, which is not astronomical. Yep. Uh, it's on a PE of 11. So it actually looks quite good on here. I don't know the business in detail to have a view on yeah. uh, how strong the business is, and I don't know what the, man the um, management structure and ownership is. You would assume there's a founder in yeah. there yeah. with a market cap of only yeah. that low. The difference between this one and the last one, at least this one has growth, yeah. and we're showing it returning about 19% a year on a margin of safety, which is really high. Yeah. Uh, the reason we would never look at it is too small. Right. Yeah. So if you, if and I didn't know a, a liquid again, well, that's well, thirty six million has to be a liquid. Yeah. I mean, we'll we'll invest down to a hundred million sometimes. Right. But even then, that's problematic. Yeah. Because it means yeah. um, you can only buy small amounts at a time. So depending on what your portfolio, what what size investment you're making. Yep. So if you're a small retail investor and you're investing, you know, five or ten thousand dollars, well then okay. Then yeah. you can buy a company like this. But if you've got a million dollars or two million dollars yeah. and you only want to have twenty shares, yeah. and you want to buy a hundred grand worth of and in yeah, good, good luck trying to buy it in a business like this. Yeah, exactly. And then getting out of the same argument. But yeah. it's, it's fundamentals look good. Okay. Uh, Scott? Yeah, I, I've, got to, I've got to, this is exactly almost an echo of the last conversation that we had because yeah. I just looked at the numbers, you being off screen while Mark was talking, so I get to pull up some, some stats. And right now it's showing there's uh, 16,000 shares at $1.30, which is around the last traded price. Mm. Once you go above that, the next lot are $1.50 and the last lot are $1.63. So oh, if you wow. want to buy shares, um, there's, there's not, nothing out there to buy, and if you do, you're going to get stung. And again, getting back out is tough. Also, I would say for what it's worth, I mean, look, if you, we've seen so many retailers do so well. I can imagine someone being interested in a, in a retailer trading at a cheap price saying, well, Nick Scarley, JB Hi-Fi, Kogan, Harvey Norman, everyone's making hay while the sun shines retail-wise. You know, is, is this the unloved one that might surprise earnings-wise? And it's possible, absolutely. So, you know, in some circumstances, do we look, do Marco look silly in two weeks' time if it comes out with a great earnings result? Yeah, absolutely. But our job is not to predict the future, it's to try and work out whether probabilities make sense. Um, under 10 for a retailer, as I said, looks attractive, but so many retailers have come a cropper, just not being able to get scale. And again, that $36 million market cap tells you something, and it tells me yeah. probably worth staying away.
Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, there you go, uh, Jackie. A really uh, good um, analysis there of, uh, of Joyce Corporation. Peter uh, Scott wants a view on Worley, uh, the old Worley Parsons, a global engineering company, um, mainly in the resources and, and energy sector. And Koshi, this is what I wanted to like. I first looked at it, the PE was 13. I've been pretty negative today. And I kind of looked at it and went, PE of 13, wow, maybe, you know, big company, $4.5 billion, certainly the other side of the market cap scale to, to Joyce and Excelsior. So, hey, maybe this is the one. Um, the problem is, if you look at the numbers, they've been terrible for the last four or five years. And they've been in really significant decline. Revenues down, earnings are down, return on equity is down. This is a business that, I, and look, if you believe that maybe there's something cyclical, that all of a sudden they're about to jump back up, You've got to be a very, very contrarian investor to say four years, five years of declines. This is the time to jump in based on not much more than I hope the cycle turns. I think that's the real concern. People have been hoping desperately for the past. You see the share price rise since mid to sort of 2015, right through to effectively 2018 and then back up even into the early this year on falling earnings. And at some point, maybe it got too cheap and maybe 13 times earnings, not too much to pay for this. But with declining earnings, there is something fundamentally challenging about its business model and its market. And unless you know for sure or with a high degree of certainty that that's going to turn around all of a sudden for whatever the reason might be, very, very tough to say, hey, this is a business in decline. Now's the time to buy it. It's very, very hard to pay a cheap enough price for a declining business because if it keeps declining. Yesterday's cheap price is tomorrow's expensive price because the earnings just disappear. And again, that the P versus the E that we keep talking about, if the E keeps falling, the PE gets more expensive, even if the price stays the same. Yeah. And I think that's the risk with Wally. Now, maybe, as I said, maybe it breaks out. Maybe there's something that suddenly brings it back into favor and maybe it's customers turn up again but i mean again we know the world economy is in you know in the doldrums right now in general some contrarian kind of you know mining or resource investors or sorry companies might be looking for new services might be looking to open new mines or, or drill new new wells but it's a very tough thing to try and look through given the history so i'm going to give us a, a big big yeah. pass uh, Matt? uh yes i agree to that. agree with all that and i'd add the other issue with it is it's a very complex business you know this is a global business and they operate in uh, integrated mining solutions, uh, minerals, chemicals, energy. They, uh, you know, I think they build nuclear power plants. I mean, it is so complicated. I don't know how you would really be able to get your head around to say, oh, yes, I think their earnings are going to now improve. Right. Yeah. You know, how yeah. would you do it? Yeah. And yeah. if you look at the earnings, as Scott mentioned, uh, we're showing it's average minus 8% a year for the last six years with high stability. So they've been sliding, sliding, sliding. Six years, that's a long time. It is a long time. And it's going time. down, down, down. Is yeah. it going to turn around? Well, we don't do turnaround stories. Right. As Buffett okay. says, you know, yep. turnarounds really, really turn. Yep. He's got better things to do with his time. Yep. Uh, Return-wise, if they continue on the same trajectory, which is what I would argue is what's more likely than not, uh, you're going to get minus 3% on our default measurements per year or minus 12 right. on a margin of safety. Not worth it. So yep. you're going down with the ship at the moment. Yep. And, and at some point in time, it might turn around, but that's not investing. Yeah. Absolutely. And speaking of Buffett, I noticed he bought into a big gold miner overnight, he, he, Barrel well, Gold. Well, he, well it's, it's actually, it's being revved up a lot in the media. All oh, right. Uh, it was probably Ted or Todd, which are his two uh, investment lieutenants, if you like, right. and they have 14 billion each, right. uh, which they manage inside of Berkshire. I don't right. think it was Warren. Right. It was a half a billion dollar investment in Barrett Gold. Okay. And everyone's so, like, oh, Buffett's, yeah, yeah. Buffett's now a gold so, so in the overall scheme well, of things, in the overall right. scheme of things, it's less than 0.3 of 1% of his listed shares. <laughs> if he put right. in 10 or 20%, right. then, okay. then I'd, I'd say, okay, well, you've got an argument. All right. Okay. okay. All right. Good perspective. All right. Um, uh, Mark Thomas wants a view on Charter Hall Group. Now, this again is a uh, sort of a fund manager, but in the in the property side of the business, invests uh, in property funds. 
property funds management across basically all the retail sectors, uh, office, retail, industrial, social infrastructure. Yeah, well, I've been on the record before that we don't like REITs. Yep. yep <laughs> so, yep. so I'm not an expert on REITs. I did have I did have a look at the uh, the numbers, and they look all right so far. But if you, if you look at the breakdown of um, what their investments are in, like they do have uh, Amazon's one of their big clients, right. As well, and I think Amazon was uh, one one point six percent of their right. business. Uh, West Farm is seven point seven. Uh, Woolworths 7.7, Coles 4.6, you know, Trails to 8%, government's the biggest, I think the government was the biggest, one of the right. biggest. Yeah, so the, a lot of those components of the business will be fine, yep. but they're also heavily exposed to retail. Yep. And retail is going to go through a period of rationalisation, isn't it, on yep. values Absolutely. and rents and so on. So there's significant net headwinds on this business uh, going forward. And it's actually on quite a high PE. It's on 26 yeah. times uh, earnings at the moment. And uh, which, which is, by the way, right at the top of, uh, yeah, it's at the, it's the high end of its, of its normal peer range. In fact, I think it's the highest it's been. Okay. Uh, there you go. It's the highest it's ever been hmm. in a decade. Okay. All right. At the moment. Despite all the uncertainty. Despite all that. So without any negative effect going forward, we're showing them returning about 10% a year, which would be okay if yeah. there was no negative effect and headwinds. Yeah. Uh, and 3% on a margin of safety. Okay. All right. Scott, Charter Hall. Yeah, let me let me add to, to Mark's because it's things by saying assuming nothing changes, uh, and I know he's I know he's not exactly saying that's what he expects, but because I think the next thing he would have probably said if I'd asked him is, well, we're in a recession, plenty of us are working from home, uh, <laughs> yes. the, the, the challenges facing property are are, are mammoth. I've got to say right yeah, now, and if you if you're buying a company at, at maximum PE, you expect we're in maximum optimism times, right? Where the, the, we're about to go to the moon and, and growth's going to come out. It's is in it's going to be a wonderful business. Yeah. Uh, I like the. I like the big box business. I like the, the wholesale business. I think we're going to see much, much more of that. We're seeing online commerce take off, and that's going to mean more warehouses, more big, bulky goods stores. That's a really, I'm not a big fan of REITs either, but if you're going to be in REITs, that's where I'd be. I wouldn't be in, in retail. I certainly would be in mid tier retail. Um, yep. Maybe Westfield, if you make the argument, as in Centre Group. Maybe mm. the little shopping centres, Australasia, the little corner, the corner sort of centres where you've got a Woolies, a Big W, and a couple of cafes and a dress shop. They'll probably do okay because people keep going there. If you're in mid-tier retail, if you're in kind of a sub-regional area, like you know the, the, the next level down from a Westfield somewhere, and you think, well, who's going to go there? You're either going to go to the corner store, you're going to go to a Westfield for a big day out. The ones in the middle are the ones that are really going to get squeezed as stores yep. start to close, as people shop more and more at home. And again, from a, from an office perspective, I don't know any company that's saying, you know what, after this pandemic, we're going to open more office space. That's the answer. Everyone's saying, well, you can work from home forever, or you know, we'll, we'll work out flexible working arrangements or something yep. else. So you know, again, I'm not predicting doom and gloom, but man, if you're no. paying the maximum PE, you're expecting a whole lot just more growth than the sector's going to deliver. Exactly. Yep. All right. Just, just last thing I'll add to that too. Uh, they're all good points. Is that the cap rate on how they value their properties has a big impact on their profitability. Right. And when when the rents are going down, they will all get pushed down, yep. which means they'll take big hits. Yeah. So the you know, when the the orders will come in and they'll have big write downs, which will yeah. hit their P and L. And because the, so, so, uh, they're in, uh, uh, their accounting is a bit weird yeah. that that capital growth is classed as revenue. Yeah, capital revenue. losses are loss, losses. Right. So it's been good when, in the yeah, good yeah. times and it's really bad it's in the bad times. It's got to be accentuated. In so the I agree with Scott, this should be on a PE of seven or eight. Right, okay. <laughs> um, now, our last stock, uh, Scott, NRW Holdings. Similar business, would you say, a contracting business in that mining and, re and resources area, sort of in that, that Wally category that we talked about earlier. Gosh, you've got all meatloaf on me, mate. You're taking the words right out of my mouth. That was exactly <laughs> how I <laughs> on this one. 
it's uh, it, look, it's it, yeah, and again, the numbers are pretty similar, right? That the trajectory hasn't been great over the last four or five yeah. years. Um, they're up a little bit of that kind of fourth to fifth to fourth year because they went from loss to profit. But again, you know, if that's if that's the best you can do, you're in trouble. Again, you know, it just doesn't feel like the right market. Certainly, the trend, the yeah. performance isn't good enough. Um, again, if you had a, if you have a big macro view, which is look, these guys are going to have plenty of work in the next couple of years because of X. And you have some really significant basis. Not not just hey, I, I think it therefore I'll invest. But if you can literally point to some data and say, hey Scott, you're wrong because here's what I know, then by all means knock yourself out. If you can't honestly see that there is reason to believe these guys are going to have more work in 2021, 2022, 2023, then you've got to ask yourself, well, where does the growth come from? And again, those share prices like like Wally, um, they're up really nicely, right? If you're if you're a shareholder, you've done really really well, even though the businesses themselves are doing really poorly. So good on you, good luck to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you've owned them, I reckon I'd be, I'd be looking at going, gee, I've been, I've been lucky for a few years while the business got worse, the share price keep going up. I, yep. I, might, I might not uh, push my luck any further and take some money off the table. Yep. yep. Good idea. Yeah, um, well said. Well said. I think a better one to compare them to is Monodorphus. Oh, yeah. yeah rather than Wally, Wally's mega. Yeah, yeah, know, yeah, so, yeah. And Did they Mono- come out today? Uh, Monodorphus, I think, came out. They may have. I haven't, I haven't seen yep. it. Um, they've struggled as well. This is contract, contract services, the mining yep. industry and so on. Um, these guys have had a 3% EPS growth rate over the last six years, so quite flat. Now, that's yeah. been tough. I'm not saying that's yeah, particularly bad by the industry standard, um, but their, P, their, their uh, return on equity is below 10, which fails from our point of view, and they're on a 17 PE, which is actually right. very high for 3% growth. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's already priced in, and I agree with Scott, if you own this, I'd sell it, because we're showing negative um, 10% on a margin okay. safety per year going All forward right. or minus one on uh, our default settings, which is the more generous one. Okay. So negative both ways. All right. All right. That uh, uh, finishes our top 10 second half uh, after good reps for Cochlear and Accent and Magellan on a pullback in our first five stocks. Uh, we struck out on the last five significantly. Uh, Excelsior, Joyce Corporation, Worley, Charter Hall, NRW Holdings, a no from both uh, Scott and Mark. Scott Phillips from Motley Fool, great to see you. Thank you, mate. Thanks, Good luck with the chicken coop. Send photos. <laughs> and uh, Mark Mullen from Team Invest, always great to My have pleasure. you on board. You. Uh, now, if you'd like uh, to suggest any stocks for us to cover on the call, of course, you can email them in the call at ausbiz.com.au or Twitter at TV is the way to do it. Now, that's our show for today. Any stocks, as I say, you'd like sent through, do that now. A reminder that you can find all of the um, um, stocks that get the two thumbs up from our expert panels on our website. Uh, look, just before we head to a very short break, get the latest from our team straight into your inbox every afternoon. Sign up for COB, Close Your Business of Stuff You Need to Know about the day in business, finance and startups. To subscribe, you go to osbiz.co forward slash join. We'll have it in your inbox by 5.30 in the afternoon. Quick programming note for you. Join us to uh, tomorrow afternoon when we'll be joined by Dick Howard, the chief executive of Cochlear. Uh, he'll join us fresh off the company's results that we talked about a bit earlier. That'll happen live 3.30 p.m. tomorrow afternoon. All right, enjoy the rest of your day. Stick around for the Pulse that's coming up.